Our gospel story this morning is Luke's version of the transfiguration of what happened there on the mountaintop. Jesus has been talking with his disciples about his impending crucifixion. He has been talking with them about what is going to happen, and they do not believe him. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking with him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While Peter was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one about the things that they had seen. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we conclude our time of epiphany, and we enter our season of Lent, give us today this story of your light in the darkness. And bless it to our minds and hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. For as long as I can remember, I've been a night owl. I often feel more awake at 10 o'clock at night than at 10 o'clock in the morning. If you've been here at church in the morning, you'll know that that's absolutely true. The only time I see the sunrise is if I have stayed awake all night, and I like it that way. Unfortunately, our culture does not favor night owls. The virtuous do not stay up late. They go to bed at a reasonable hour and rise early to exercise and meditate and eat a nutritious breakfast, pack their lunch for the day, and get an early start. The early birds get the worms and the early risers are healthy, wealthy, and wise. 
And as much as I have tried to reset my internal clock, it doesn't work, at least not for very long. <laughs> A day. I have felt bad about this, but then I realized that God is a night owl too. Of course, God does great things during the day. Angels came to Abraham and Sarah during the day to tell them that they would give birth to Isaac. Prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house in the day and looked at all of Jesse's sons and chose David, the shepherd boy who would become the greatest leader. But God's best work seems to happen at night, after dark. When Abraham doubted that God would ever give him children, God would wait until it was dark outside and take Abraham out to look at the stars. And God would assure Abraham, your descendants will number more than the stars. And God led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt in the dark of night. The people crossed the Red Sea on ground because a wind blew and parted the waters all night long. But in the morning, when the sun rose, Pharaoh's armies were destroyed. It was in the night that God whispered to a little boy, Samuel, Samuel, here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. Jesus was a night owl. When everyone else was going to sleep, Jesus was up some mountain praying. One night Jesus went off to pray and he told his disciples to start ahead in the boats to cross the Sea of Galilee and he came walking to them on the water in the dark of night. And it frightened them half to death. God shows up in the night, in the night of our doubt, when we despair that there will be a future for which we have hoped and longed, when we have been trapped in slavery under Pharaoh, also known as cancer, or a terrible boss. A relationship. When people have no leader like David to speak the truth, the word of hope, God is there. When we need to know that we are not alone and that we are part of a great mystery that surrounds us even in the midst of suffering, this is what this story is about, I think. God showing up in the middle of the night, in the dark. On the night of this story, Jesus takes his disciples up the mountain, and he's praying. They fall asleep, or maybe they don't fall asleep. The text really is very confusing. Being a night owl, I think they fell asleep. But 
you know, of course, it'd be a night owl, they'd be awake. Either way, they wake up in time to see Jesus as bright as day with Moses and Elijah, the great heroes of the faith, talking about Jesus' death. God envelops them in a cloud that overshadows them, taking them deeper into darkness and commands that they listen to Jesus. Such a powerful spiritual experience and a gift to take with them. They don't know it yet, how hard things are going to be. They don't know yet or understand that Jesus really will be killed. And that he will lie in the tomb in darkness for three long days. But even on the other side, they keep asking, is God really part of this? Really? It takes a while for them to get that new life really is happening. And then they look back on the mountaintop and they see, oh, that's what that was about. Oh. Jesus is part of salvation history. It's real. God is with us and has been all along. There is something comforting knowing that those whom Jesus chose to take up the mountain seem to have very little spiritual life. You talk about spiritual vitality. Mm-mm-mm. Not even as much as a mustard seed. And yet, they are given these amazing spiritual experiences. Even if they only understand them much, much later. I was writing this sermon, and I thought about a time when I was in the dark. And I showed up at a church retreat for pastors who were in the dark. I'd just been rear-ended in a car thing, and so my back hurt like crazy. There was a faction at the church that I was working at that were coming at me with pitchforks and torches. It was too many nights of sadness. But there, at this conference, I sat up one night laughing and laughing and laughing. I hadn't laughed so hard in so many months. And I came back to my room that night. And on the door, like on the number of the door where I was, my room was, there was this incredible Luna moth. Now, I know we all say lunar, but it's Luna, the moon moth. And if you've ever seen one, even in a picture, they are amazing, beautiful, bright green. And the edges of their wings are tinged with magenta. And they have moons that look like eyes on their wings to scare away predators. And it only struck me as I was writing this sermon That was transformation. That was 
an image of something that comes out of the cocoon and becomes beautiful. I didn't know that, but I did know that I was blessed. When it is night, when you are trapped in the dark and are in the midst of suffering, that you do not understand, that there is no reason for, because often our suffering has no reason. It's just that sometimes life goes bad. God is there. God shows up. God seeks us out. God wakes us up. God invades our dreams, speaks to us in thunderstorms. I do not recommend becoming a night owl, but I do recommend practicing owl vision. You know, owls can see incredibly well in the dark. But even more so, they can turn their heads while they're sitting forward. They can easily turn their heads to see exactly behind them. My challenge to you for this week is look back. Look behind you. Look into some of those dark places. And see if you can't see where God was. Snap a picture in your mind. What is your Luna moth? Your star in the heavens. Your light that the darkness did not overcome. Take it with you. Let it be the epiphany you keep in the pocket of your soul, the reminder that you will have for when you are in the dark, that we worship a God who is in the dark right there with us. Amen.